Why don't we call the meeting to order? Oh, I was in California two meetings ago. Okay, we have a new commission member. Uh, unfortunately, he had a um, uh, work conflict tonight that had already been scheduled, uh, trip out of town, so he was not able to join us. But uh, Chris McCahill uh, was appointed to both the Transportation Commission and the Transportation Policy and Planning Board. He's a researcher um, who's the Deputy Director of State Smart Transportation Initiative at the University of Wisconsin. Um, he has a um, I had a chance to meet with him this week. He has a really excellent transportation background. So he's going to be a, a really uh, great addition to uh, both the commission and uh, the policy board. So we'll look forward to uh, working with Chris in the future. Okay. Um, everybody have a chance to look at the minutes? Move approval. Is a motion? And a second? Any discussion or comments? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carried. Okay, next, the disclosures or recusals. What? Public comment. Oh, I crossed it out and skipped right past it. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, before disclosures and recusals, any public comment from anyone? Uh, and this would be on a topic that's not on the agenda this evening. Each time we have um, an agenda item, you have an opportunity to speak on that topic at that time. Okay. Now disclosures and recusals. Okay. New business. Um, F1, Chuck. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. The item before you uh, is part of our learning process in getting electronic buses. Electric buses. Electric buses. Thank you. I was just testing you, and you pass. <laughs> um, Drones. By learning, I mean there's just so much when you're going through this transition. And one of the things was we were persuaded when we were talking with the vendor to look at leasing batteries as we lease tires today. We thought that was a better way to go financially, help bring the initial cost down a little bit. But as we've learned and gone through it and worked with the city finance department, it's clearly a long-term savings to buy the battery packs rather than lease them. Unlike tire leasing, where we've looked at that analysis and it's better to lease, for the batteries, it's uh, better in the long run, to the tune of $100,000 over the 12-year life wow. of the bus to do that. And when you're leasing, yes, per bus, per bus. That's huge. And so when you're leasing, you're also impacting the operating budget, which is tax levy sensitive because there's tax levy caps. So we've completed the analysis. We had it verified by the finance department, and we're seeking your approval to uh, convert this to an initial purchase of the batteries for the three Proterra buses that we're getting delivered in early 2020. And, Chuck, could you may maybe also talk about the non-competitive purchase of the nut. It, right. it makes perfect sense, clearly, but. Right. One of the unusual things of this grant, in case you don't recall, is that the federal government allowed us to pick an electric battery, uh, electric battery uh, bus company. And so normally in a uh, 
process like this. And in the future, all of our procurements will be competitive. But this was so new that the federal government said transit systems to be eligible for this low no grant can actually work with a consultant. Our consultant is CTE out of the Twin Cities that has helped deliver probably electric buses to 20 transit systems throughout the United States, including Duluth, which is one of our peer systems for winter weather. And uh, so we were able to do this on a non-competitive basis. Highly unusual, but given that we're learning as we go, we're not in a position to specify either the bus or the uh, battery pack on a competitive basis. But we will learn from these three buses, and then in the future we'll have good competitive procurements. What's your uh, cost per month of leasing a battery, a single battery? Do you know? I forget what that was, but that was part of the analysis on what the lease. And at first it just seemed, well, that's the way to go. Let's lease these. brings our costs down. But you do it over a 12-year life <laughs> the bus, and it doesn't add up. Okay, so along that line, you expect the bus to last 12 years. What is six-year extended? Is it Was there already a six-year warranty, and then you buy another yes. six? Yes, and we, keep, we plan to keep the buses 15 years now. That's what we've been able to do with diesel buses. In fact, some we have 17 or 18 years. So our plan is going to keep them longer than that, but we want that minimum 12-year warranty on those. Okay, buses. so they come with the six. Yes. Okay. So. Okay. Other questions or discussion? I'd entertain a motion. Make a motion for approval. There's a motion and a second. Further discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you. And could I just ask Chuck just a question? Just to mention, how big are these batteries? Hmm. Well, Big enough that if I didn't tell you this before, some of you know this, that if you walk through our garage, there are areas of the garage where the ductwork and the doors are such that we were originally to get the buses in 2019, but they are taller with the battery pack, so there are areas of our garage that do not allow the electric bus to get through. So the renovation or the upgrade that's occurring right now for the service lane, for the uh, fire safety is also uh, going through the garage so those electric buses can fit everywhere. So 40 feet, yes. Height, a little uh, higher, and that extra six inches or whatever it is is enough that it's a problem in a couple of our locations in the bus garage. So but Not problems with, uh, not with underpasses. Uh, I always remember the Park Street buses, uh, well, other things getting stuck on there. But. Right. No, our, our uh, diesel-electric hybrids are getting through there, and these will, too. That was one of the things our operations staff looked at. Okay. We might have to work with the Parks Department to make sure certain areas are, the trees are cut down, like on Odana at the bike trail and other places, because, you know, you hear it as a passenger. What is that scraping sound? Oh, it's a couple trees. It's springtime. Okay. They've grown over. Running by bus. Yeah, and you know, 90% of your buses only get the pruning this height and you have to. <laughs> okay, any other questions for Chuck? We're looking forward to these, Chuck. So. You are too. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That. Okay, next we have uh, Judge Doyle updates. Was there a vote? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, Thanks. you're good. Mm -hmm. You get batteries. Oh, 
So one quick note here before Dave gets into his presentation on the government's demo. Can you just introduce everybody? Yes, uh, Dave Schaller with City Engineering, uh, George Austin, the project manager for Judge Doyle, uh, and I'm Sabrina Tolley, the parking manager. Uh, so I believe you should have received an updated memo. There was just a very small change on that uh, under the June 26th, if you're looking at the timeline. I had previously referenced a review of plans and specs, uh, and just for clarification purposes, uh, since this is really an informational presentation, uh, an overview rather than a, an actual review of plans and specs, that was uh, that change was made to, to just clarify uh, this this meeting and what is being presented here. So with that, I'll let Dave give an overview of the uh, Government East demo. The Government East Garage is the one that's located just east of us here, beyond the beyond the new construction on the east side of Pickney, between Doty and Wilson, and it's in the, the Fourth Aldermatic District. It's working with the same folks who are doing the Judge Doyle Garage for some of the drawings we are putting together here for this package, and. The structural engineers, the same structural engineers on the Judge Garage as well. Our estimated cost to take down the existing parking garage and crush the concrete on site is right at our million dollar mark. And a description is basically to take everything from Pickney, Doty to Wilson, all the way over to the wall that is on the property line alongside the Great Dane Pub and the Tempest Oyster Bar. Uh, we will leave some of that wall there, which will keep the, the patio of the Great Dane Pub intact. And basically the wall will get from the first elevated deck down will remain in place, which will protect some of the, the sidewalks and conditions along the Tempest Oyster Bar as well. It will include the removal of all of the underground utilities as well. Uh, I'm going to limit the backfill with the crushing of the concrete on the site so that it's left and everything will flow for the stormwater control in the site, on the site, not over the site, not over the curbs, but make use of the existing storm drain that's in the southeast corner of the project for the stormwater control until such time as the development starts. You'll notice on here that the existing fire hydrants, street signs, street lighting are all to remain in service. And the demo will go to the back of curbs. There's a, along Doty Street, there's an MG&E vault that will be shored to remain. And so anything to, anything that's in the right of way for existing utilities is serving and existing. Neighboring building will all remain intact naturally, and the fencing will be the entire site on the property line, which is now considered lot one and lot two. Uh, 
Lot one is the closest one to Pickney Street, which will be for the hotel. And then the future apartment building will be on Lot two, which is closer to the Great Dane Pub. Put together a timeline here of what we, where we're at right now is June 26th, this meeting, and then we're going to be taking this to the Board of Public Works for authorizing the bidding process, the plans and specifications. I'll go to the Common Council on the 16th, and then we are set to post the documents to Bid Express on the 18th with the bid date of August 29th. That would then move it to Council for approval after the bid to September 17th, and we are looking for a November date for demolition to start. This other package just in the picture that you see there in that tower is the exit from the second level of the Great Dane Pub, and we're in, in these drawings we'll have a, a stairway to come out to accommodate that until further development. And then complete the demolition, have it uh, back leveled off there at the end of February of 2020. Just two questions. November 1st, the reason you can't start earlier is you have to wait for the other ramp to come up. Correct. Right. And right. so that's what you're looking at is November 1st. Would it, if the new ramp came up earlier, is there any possibility that it comes up earlier? I don't think there's any possibility it come up earlier. Okay. So is there a possibility it comes up later? There is a possibility it could come later. So all of that really depends on you can't start on deconstruction until this one is Correct. operational. Correct. Okay. And the other part is, um, so all of this plan then is being done in conjunction with the people who have lots one and two. They'll be satisfied with the crushed concrete and all that that's, that's remaining there. That's not something that still needs to be negotiated. That's all part of their plan as well. It is. And, in, in we're doing this with the recommendation of a soils engineer that the material, that we don't create a problem and have something that can't be used and has to be hauled off later, making sure that it is acceptable for a you know, backfill material. Okay, so. You're crushing it to an inch and a quarter size. And will there be, so let's say you start on November 1, you're aiming to get it done in four months. Will there be like a one-month review by a soils engineer to say so far, Everything that you're crushing looks yes. good. Yes. It's not like we we get till February 27th and all of a sudden people say we need to pull this out or anything. Okay. Well, I've got budget numbers from a couple different sources that have given us this confidence that we're okay here with this number, and we've got it figured. We've got numbers. If we did have to haul it away, that the cover would be covered with this number. And, and one more question. Do we have any uh, confidence that under the bottom of the bottom ramp that there's anything, well, confidence that there's not anything that is toxic? We're not going to find something when we start pulling up that bottom. No, it's not a listed site at all. Okay. I do know that there was a gas station on the corner of Pickney and Doty that there could be some oil or petroleum yes, soils or such that 
the birch. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Okay. As much as we can do at this point. Right. Okay, but there's is there any way to drill through the bottom of the one currently, like you would drill if it was open? There was there. We did have some test soils. Oh, okay. Out okay. All from the gas station in the in the corner. Thank you. Other questions or discussion? Grant. I mean. Uh, Question maybe for a future meeting, but the um, the million dollar price tag for demolition was just thinking about how that is part of kind of the overall cost of um, the the parking facility, and wondering if if it's typical to do sort of a post mortem on this and to sort of you know this is what it costs us to construct and maintain throughout the years, and just do sort of an overall analysis of here's how that ramp functioned for us to kind of do a you know sort of comprehensive this is cost over the years, cost per vehicles, cost, I mean, I don't know exactly what those metrics are, but it seems like it might be a good opportunity to kind of do an evaluation of here's how this ramp performed for us. I don't know if that's something you would typically think about doing or. So um, if I'm understanding, sort of a, a lifetime, you know, net yes. revenue yes. Uh, analysis. Um, we can take a look at that. I don't know how much data we're going to have going back to the, the 50s uh, and, you know, prior to this all being uh, electronic, but, uh, you know, certainly we could look at a, a more recent period of even, you know, over the past 20 years. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure the, the files are, are out there somewhere, uh, but it, it, it could be uh, difficult trying to compile all the information from, from those earlier years. Probably not worth a huge effort. It just seems like it could be interesting to understand kind of mm -hmm. the cost. Mm -hmm. No, I think it would be a good idea because this is, I mean, as I understand it, this is number one, but we have other ramps that are sort of have already <laughs> ended their lifespan and they're still up and all that. And so, you know, it's not going to be a bestseller, um, but I think it would be good to just inform us as far as saying overall, the whatever years, 60 plus years or whatever, here's what it costs. Sure. Thanks. So, Brandy, this could be sort of a follow-up to what we talked about in terms of how we're building ramps today so that they'll last longer in the future. We had a conversation. We had a presentation on right. new changes. Bill Gibbs. Right, Bill Putnam, yeah. So uh, this is kind of looking at it from the other point of view. How long did this ramp actually, how long was it in service? And, you know, it's, I don't know how much financial information is available, but it lasted much longer than was originally anticipated, didn't it? Yes, uh, I think we... Um, you know, earlier looking back at our financial sustainability, um, our kind of the estimated life was 42 to, to 43 years, uh, and, and we're getting significantly uh, longer useful life. Uh, it does mean higher maintenance costs, um, but, you know, when you weigh that versus, you know, sometimes replacement, um, you know, it's worth putting in even sometimes some of those higher maintenance costs rather than moving towards replacement right away. And uh, the newer garages uh, that we're building, we're looking at uh, life cycles of 75 years. Yeah, I know this would be a, a good transitional piece to, to look at from the old to the new. Mm -hmm. yeah. Good. Other comments or questions on this particular topic, Grant? Um, and so just to confirm if there, if there are any issues with um, completion of the new ramp, 
Um, do we have? We, I'm assuming we have flexibility in not demolishing until, and that's sort of there's not a real tight window there that we have to be concerned about. And operationally, the transition in terms of people that have reservations, all that's kind of in the works. Or right, uh, we took a look uh, kind of you know last year and in, in planning for our uh, repair maintenance repair project for this, and we do have budgeted uh, kind of necessary repair work uh, if we're going to keep the garage open for another you know, six months to a year beyond what we're anticipating that we we really need to do. Uh, so it's just some, some concrete repair work, very basic um, or minimal repair work that we're going to be doing on it. Uh, we're also sort of delaying that later in the summer. So if, if we find, based on, on schedule, that we're able to make a decision to not move forward with some of that concrete repair work, we can do that. Uh, but otherwise, we, we've already uh, have it budgeted and, and plan to continue to operate uh, beyond, you know, this year if, if need be. And our agreement with uh, the Block 105 development is contingent on opening of the new ramp, if I understand. So we're not we're not at risk of running into issues by not having it demolished. Or is there a, is there a drop dead date for the demolition separate from <coughs> the opening of the new ramp? The, uh, excuse me, the development agreement that was executed between the city and the development firm actually requires the city does not have to de demolish the ramp until they, are, they present plans for the construction of the hotel. And they have an 18-month window from the occupancy of the new garage to begin construction. So assuming right. October occupancy of the garage, they would have until April of 21 to actually begin construction. They've indicated to us that they wish to move early in 2020, but lots of things come into play. So we're not being pushed by them to take it down. It's more a function of the new garage is open. This is a vacant structure. Um, if it's an additional year before we have occupancy and demolition is a year and a half out, that, that, that we're in compliance with our agreement with. That is correct. And just for curiosity, Dave, could you go back to the uh, picture the, of the ramp? So just to be clear, the lot line goes up and down as opposed to side to side. Lot one is to the left and lot two is to Great Dane. There's a new certified survey map that has this split into two lots. Mm. Lot one basically in half from this lot line. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Other questions? I have one. Um, when we're looking at the construction of the new ramps, you know, and we look at the current ramps that we have, like most of them weren't designed with uh, expectations of electric vehicles. So, with the new ramps, is there a design element so that is? Looking forward to the future, as so we have to increase capacity for charging stations, that can be done cost-effectively without expensive retrofits and that type of thing. Uh, yeah, so we uh, did sleeve in a number of spaces. I believe the entire uh, fleet parking uh, will have sleeves for for future uh, expansion of electric. We also added some additional, so we have some planned locations for immediate installation of public charging stations. And we cited uh, some additional spots for, for future expansion. Uh, certainly, we can expand even beyond that. 
but at, at this point in time, that was uh, sort of the, the starting point, preparing for expected, um, you know, near term in the next maybe five years of, of what those needs might be. Other comments or questions? Is the other, are we discussing both documents on this item, the um, reserve balance question as well, or is this just about demolition? Well, the Judge Doyle update item covers the customer service ambassador positions, uh, George's presentation on the Block 88 development, um, demolition, so all of those things together. So then I had a question on that um, document. Looks like the kind of overall analysis projection says, given the um, numbers that were presented with the uh, Gebhardt proposal, we should be in a position to be able to spend the $22 million for the State Street Campus Lake Garage in 2023, and then we'll be basically right at our reserve limit going into 20. Three or in, yeah, in the 23. Um, just um, and it said, you know, assuming a lot of things. <laughs> um, does that give you any worry, concern? Um, do you feel like that's right where it should be? Are we at risk that there are going to be, un or what is what, what level of risk mm -hmm. that we're going to have unintended expenses come up? Um, anything else with this that would be good for us to know about? Sure. So there, you know, are a number of, of items that, you know, that could impact that projection. Uh, one is uh, additional allocations to the parking division. So over the last uh, couple of years, I know uh, finance has been looking at ways to for enterprise agencies to to help pay for some of the costs uh, related to internal service agencies. So we've seen an increase in some of those interdepartmental fees and, and salary allocations. Uh, with the residential parking permit program, the police department enforcement salaries were added, I believe it was in the 2018 budget, uh, which added a, about another 600,000 in salary and, and benefit costs. Uh, so, so those are certainly things that impact uh, where we're looking at just sort of uh, current operations and um, and inflationary costs that, you know, are, are unanticipated or, or somewhat out of the parking division's control uh, in, in terms of higher costs than, than projected. Uh, and, and last year with uh, the extreme weather conditions we had, the flooding, we had a, a number of days where it was a, a flood emergency parking, so similar to the snow emergency parking where it's free overnight parking in, in garages. Uh, and, and then uh, we also had the uh, just mass amounts of, of snow that impacted uh, downtown garages pretty significantly uh, early this year, uh, where I think there were about five dates that in terms of revenues would be comparable to a you know, city and state holiday where there are very few workers downtown, and, and that has a pretty significant impact on, on revenues. So uh, there are situations where if we have you know, other extreme years with extreme weather events that impact revenues, uh, the projections could be lower than, than are anticipated based off historical. Uh, but I will say even with some of those events and higher expenses in 2018, the, uh, these aren't the final numbers because these were um, before closing, but 
Uh, as of February this year, looking at the net revenues from 2018, it was 5.8 million. And the projection here assumes uh, you know, 5.5 million and about 11 million in, in our operating expenses. So we're still on target. The projections are pretty conservative to allow for some of those fluctuations. But that, that doesn't mean that uh, there couldn't be potentially uh, a delay of, let's say, in a year or or needing to borrow some percentage uh, in bond for for that in the future. So you would, if we did need additional revenue, you would you would imagine doing that through borrowing, not through raising rates. Uh, or a combination of the two. Right. Typically, um, you know, borrowing is is not ideal, which is why we have cash reserves and plan for those replacements. So. Uh, we will have rate increases planned uh, prior to the construction of the new garage, uh, looking at probably a, a residential parking permit fee increase in the next year. So there will be fee increases, and we, we schedule those to uh, continue to, to keep up with inflation and other costs. So um, I don't expect that there would be any delays, and I uh, don't have concerns currently with, with what's proposed and, and where we're at. Uh, but I will say there are things that sometimes are, are out of our control or uh, unusual events. Ken? For the uh, 11 million, is that something that has been sort of the, the same for the past 10 years? Or where do you come with the 11 million? Uh, is that adjusted for inflation? You know, the flat line sort of gets me because I would sort of think every year that the, your necessary reserve needs to bump just a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, so about one year of uh, sort of pre-funded operating expenses uh, is ideal. It, it is necessarily required that we have a full year kind of funded in advance. Uh, so that's the, the target number now. So that's where the 11 comes from. Is Correct. It's a rolling it's number depending. Okay. Sabrina, um, as I read this memo, uh, this doesn't include the 11 million that was used for the podium and will be paid back over, um, it says over a 15-year period. Is that correct? Right. So the projection includes um, the capital costs for the 11 million. So those are reflected already as, as being spent in that projection. What it does not include is receiving any of those revenues back. Right. So again, the projection would be higher. Right, so that's a positive grant to offset some of the things she was talking about. Mm -hmm. Your check's in the mail. Right. <laughs> right. Okay, any other questions before we move into, should we do Georgia's section now? Or which would you prefer, Sabrina? Uh, so, you know, I think, um, I don't know if George had a presentation actually prepared. I think he just had the memo and is available uh -huh. for questions on that. So. Uh, if there are other questions, I'll wait to hold off on the update on that new position. Okay. So the questions on the um, private development from folks? Everything's going according to schedule from your point of view? Although that's it's early. That was a great question given yeah. the, the uh, yeah. tech record. We've had uh, two uh, sessions since the City Council acted on June the 6th. Right. Uh, with Gebhardt Development, um, and we'll be reporting to the City Finance Committee on Monday, July 8th, with a status report. Uh, we're proceeding apace with the goal of having a development agreement in August for consideration by the 
finance committee and the council. So it, what makes this a little bit uh, more straightforward is, is that we requested proposals. They put their, their deal, if you will, in terms of all the elements of the proposal on the table. Uh, it was vetted during the competitive process, and um, those expectations were adopted as part of the selection of Gebhardt as the development team, and uh, now let's try to convert those to a legal document that's enforceable and filling in the details. And I know that's where the devil exists, but um, mm -hmm. so far we're proceeding apace. Grant? Um, you may not have a response to this right now, but the given the um, proposal that was uh, recommended has a, a fairly uh, higher density of use, both in terms of the residential units and the commercial. Um, I know previously um, you felt comfortable with the lease arrangement for the um, hotel block 105. Um, so curious as um, in terms of the air rights development for, for block 88 as we know it now, if that shifts calculations in any way, um, just thinking about sort of the potential for the higher demand coming for for what's expected to be up above. And if, if you haven't sort of thought through that or would, you know, maybe get an update later on that. But. Sure. And I, I don't have any specific uh, analysis that we've done with the, the uses and, and densities uh, on this yet. Uh, but with the, the hotel eliminating all parking, we do expect uh, that not only those lease spaces, but hourly regular users will be using the, the facility as well, which will uh, have a greater impact on demand than just beyond those leases. Uh, so, so I won't say that uh, you know there aren't potentially concerns with with capacity, but um, I wouldn't say necessarily you know one way or another until we took a closer look at that. I I don't know when that um, that's a separate item that will be coming through the council, but it would be helpful to maybe start thinking about that and just get a. Uh, kind of an update either, yep, still seems like a good idea, or just to, to help inform that question mm -hmm. about the parking requirement together. Sure. Yeah, and I think a component of that, too, that would be important is uh, what the anticipated use uh, of that podium is that if it's going to be shared, how that's going to be operated, because that will have a, a significant impact on uh, whether there's greater demand or, or not for, for the public parking. Other comments? Okay, thank you. So, Wendy, did you want to talk about those positions then? Uh, yeah, so just a, a quick update on uh, a position, a new position that will be created. It's expected to go to personnel board, I believe that's July 17th. Uh, so it'll be either introduced at this uh, next council meeting, I think is the intent, or either on the 16th. Um, so I'm not sure about the timing of, of introduction, but uh, either way it would be going uh, personal board uh, at that next meeting in July. And uh, this is the uh, central cashier or customer service ambassador position that will um, be staffed in the that main office of, if you remember looking at design, this does not have in-lane booths. So unlike uh, Governor East where we have cashiers in booth, this will be sta staffed by uh, a person working out of that central office. So we, we created the position description and uh, Human Resources has completed their study and we'll be bringing that forward. We'll be recreating three vacant cashier positions uh, into the customer service ambassador 
and, and then filling that internally as a competitive promotion. So that'll, um, in terms of where the, the staffing, it'll be similar to how we are uh, filling vacancies now when, when permanent cashier positions open up. Uh, so in, also in terms of, I know the, there's been questions about whether there are impacts on staffing levels or, or number of staff, uh, and to that, uh, the answer is no. We're actually providing the same number of hours and percentage of uh, employees to staff this, so there will be uh, basically Monday through uh, Friday um, daytime full-time employee, and then we expect uh, Wednesday through Saturday, this would be a 90% employee that would be working nights, and then a 60% employee that would be working uh, Monday and Tuesday nights, and then Saturday days. So again, this would mirror the, the coverage and staffing that we have now at, at Government East. Uh, it would just be uh, three uh, kind of larger FTE positions rather than uh, uh, multiple staff that maybe work at one location a couple days, at this for one day, and, and other places. So it's, uh, again, more of a uh, shifting of, of staff location with only having three regular staff at this, uh, but, but again, same number of staff, and there would not be any layoffs or other uh, impacts for existing staff. Questions, Bridget? Just a quick question. Um, so I'm not familiar with the design, but would the since the the new ramp is going to have the sort of in-lane uh, checkout options, would the position that would be housed there be in like a closed type of office? Is there any what ability is that person going to have to view those lanes mm -hmm. to make sure that they're monitored? Sure. So uh, the the office is right near the main entrance on Wilson. So right as you're walking in with the pedestrian entrance, uh, there's a window and, and a cashier, uh, like a transaction station. So they'll still be able to process payments if people choose to, to make payment with the person, um, the ambassador position. So they can still do that, or if there are uh, unreadable tickets, other problems that occur sometimes with tickets, they can do those right there. Uh, they'll also have access to the cameras to all of the locations and we'll be able to monitor the uh, Doty Street exit as well or entry and exit. It's that reversible lane. Uh, and then this person would be answering helpline calls so rather than going to a, a remote central location. We'd have those helpline calls go right to the person that's there and um, provide hopefully a little bit quicker response where the person that's right there if they need to can can get out and and help that person. So uh, really, they're not tied to to being in that booth, and they're able to have access to more computer systems for troubleshooting. Uh, right now, they're not able to look up if there's, uh, for instance, a problem with a prox card, uh, and the person doesn't know why it's why it's not working. Uh, right now, they're just able to take the information and either issue uh, a lost ticket fee or failure to pay, uh, and then they have to, you know, clear it up with us and figure out what happened. So just, I think, a more customer service-oriented um, to be able to troubleshoot some of those things right on site. Other questions? Fiscal impact of this? There will be. Uh, I haven't seen the, the analysis with the benefit and salary calculations 
but because it is a promotional and we're not having any decreases in staffing level, uh, we do expect that there will be uh, some increase in, in salary and benefit costs. Any other comments or questions on this? Okay. Um, if not, let's go on to parking garage safety update. <clears throat> so I believe you uh, received a, a copy of an article, I think Patrick, passed out, and I also printed a copy of the third quarter 2018 report that had a, a written update on some of the safety uh, measures that we've taken at the State Street Campus Garage. Uh, this is at Francis and University and, and Lakin University. So in October uh, of last year, there was actually a homicide in, in that facility, uh, and we had provided that update at that time. Uh, we've been working with MPD closely since probably you know 2016 i know i've been involved regularly working with our uh, field supervisors and, and mpd and we've made a number of, of changes those were outlined uh, kind of as an update of some of the steps we've taken since 2017. Uh, additionally there were a couple follow-up items that we identified to do a, a safety assessment and have uh, a police officer walk through do kind of a site assessment, review our operations, identify any areas for improvement. Uh, my understanding, and, and I'll be providing a, a written update on this later with more information, uh, but I'd like to get uh, something from, from police uh, in writing and a little bit more formal report uh, on that. Uh, but my understanding was that there were no uh, additional suggestions, uh, at least that I'm aware of, and that uh, a lot of the measures we were taking are significantly uh, higher than, than most other uh, public or, or private parking garages. Uh, we've got uh, panic buttons in all the booths. We added a number of cameras. Uh, we've got camera coverage at all entrances, exits, stairwells, uh, also on street. Uh, improved lighting on street. We made some changes in terms of where the uh, food cart vendors were located to try to get uh, folks dispersed and some of the crowds uh, moved away from, from this location. Uh, we also uh, began closing Francis Street during late night weekends. That was identified by staff as a problem where there was congestion and um, people pretty much just treating that, that as a, a parking lot and there were a lot of problems uh, related to that. So that's another thing that police department has been coming out getting our barricades and closing it to any incoming traffic, towing any vehicles that are parked that, that shouldn't be. Um, so, so in terms of uh, you know next steps, uh, we are looking um, at going through some of our uh, an EAP, working with EAP and MPD to look um, both at kind of standard response and and communicating that to to staff. Um, you know, that isn't a preventative measure, but we've identified that our uh, response to incidents and, and how we uh, communicate with staff uh, more timely is, is something that uh, we need to improve. So we're uh, working on some just standard policy uh, in that aspect. Um, we also are forming, we had a labor management meeting last week, and our operations supervisor uh, has committed to forming a a parking safety committee, so this would be a staff 
safety committee that would meet to address issues uh, and uh, work with management and others on um, providing suggestions and, and implementing improvements or identifying uh, situations that they think are, are safety concerns. So uh, we are looking at any additional measures we, we can do and, and are continuing to work on it, but uh, this, this location in, in general continues to be uh, troublesome and, and problematic. Questions for Sabrina. The scenario training options for staff? Ah, yes. Um, so that was one of the next steps that we identified. Uh, we did in May uh, send out uh, an email to all field staff letting them know about an active shooter training that uh, police was putting on and letting them know that uh, if they, they chose to attend regardless of whether it was uh, not during their normal shift, that it would be uh, compensated time. So uh, they were all uh, encouraged to attend that. <clears throat> we're also working to schedule at least two sessions that would just be uh, internal for parking and traffic engineering staff. So uh, police department has uh, offered to, to provide that training and, and come in when uh, it's a time when we can sort of have a, a mandatory training session during uh, normal scheduled staff times. So we expect that will be coming in, in the near future. I know they're trying to uh, just kind of nail down some specific dates and times for that training. Um, I think there are you know, additional um, potential internal trainings that police could provide or, or even external uh, trainings that might be useful as well. So we'll be looking at other opportunities for staff. Uh, and we also received uh, a request and, and suggestion recently for our, our cashier staff to get access to the security cameras. Uh, we had, um, prior to June of this year, the cashiers did not have any access to uh, internet or computers, and we recently purchased laptops and uh, got all of the, the networking infrastructure in place to be able to have computers at all the cashier booths. Uh, so that's an option now that uh, we'd be able to, to provide and, and give them access to those. So. That'll be something we'll be working with our IT and uh, other folks to try to get access granted for, for the individual garages and cashiers to be able to have a little bit more awareness of, of other things happening that isn't necessarily with, within their direct view. So when we went on that tour um, and there was the, sort of like the, the wall of, of uh, all that, was somebody there watching this occur the, this incident with the two attendants, was, it, was that live watched or is, was that just I, being recorded? I don't believe that there was someone there. This uh, occurred at about 12.30 a.m. Okay. Uh, so I, I don't believe there was somebody in the office at that time, uh, but it's uh, recorded. They're archived, I believe, uh, for about two weeks, and then the video is overwritten after that time. So if there's an incident like this, uh, police department you know, does archive that footage because they can use that for uh, identifying the people. The the person was arrested uh, the same day, so the incident occurred at 12.30 a.m. Right. No, I'm just thinking, yeah. so here was a situation where, mm -hmm. because the lot was busy, we happened to have two attendants. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I go to lots other than that one, and there's one attendant. So is there somebody who has that attendant's back is what I'm saying. If, if he or she can't push a back, panic button, is there 
anybody else watching? So we don't have people that are monitoring the security cameras 24-7. Okay. Uh, we do have lead workers that are uh, on uh, when during those late night hours. So there is either a supervisor or lead worker typically on. We also have uh, JBM security uh, that we contract with that uh, during weekends is actually staffed uh, and, and posted at the State Street campus crash. This occurred on a Thursday, and, and we do have regular presence, but uh, that's where they're more patrolling and, and covering uh, several garages. So they're not necessarily posted at each entrance for their for their entire. So, I'm I'm just mm -hmm. in the future. Could you cost out if we had let's just say to have somebody? Would there be a mechanism for somebody to watch until let's say bar time? Um, and you know I don't know who that would be. Um, is it a link to somebody else who's already employed and they would just have access to your? bank of, of cameras or something like that. But, I mean, here, I think we were fortunate that there were two people, and that might have made it a difference for what could have otherwise been a trickier situation. Mm -hmm. I often think of that as I walk out. As I pull through, I'm just saying, they're all alone here. Mm -hmm. Right. And we do have, uh, so anytime, uh, so for breaks or, or leaving the booth at any time, uh, there are scheduled either a a relief person, which was the situation here, uh, why there were two people. One was the relief cashier. The other person was on break and returning from break, uh, which is why there were two right at this specific booth location. Uh, but we also do security escorts, so uh, when people are leaving at the end of the night or, or breaks, again, there's always somebody there during those night shifts to uh, to make sure that they they aren't alone when they're they're leaving that booth. But... Uh, we could certainly look at, at what a position, you know, essentially a security monitor. Yeah, if you could just position. brainstorm and say what would, how would that work? I mean, mm -hmm. I don't think it, I'm not, I don't have a clear idea. I'm just thinking mm -hmm. it would be good for the attendant, and it would also be a good sort of deterrent thing for anybody to say, this is being watched live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Another question. Um, so, Serena, Kind of along the same lines, do these folks receive any kind of, like, verbal engagement training? And do you guys have, like, a disengagement policy? Um, you know, in general, the, the direction is, um, you know, not to, to confront, uh, you know, contact either 911, uh, even if it's not truly a, you know, if it's not an emergency, but if you're uncomfortable with, you know, somebody in, in the area or they seem to be, you know, behaving oddly and, and they feel unsafe or concerned, uh, the, the direction is to just dial 911. Uh, it doesn't have to be uh, an immediate occurring life and death situation. So really, you know, any time that they're feeling uncomfortable to contact either security or, or police. So if I, and that works, I mean, the proximity seems like it would you know, work in your favor. The, the response is, is very quick. Uh, I think, I believe it was within two minutes uh, I think when we had that homicide, it was during Breakfast, and I think it was less than a minute. Uh, they were literally within earshot when that occurred and immediately came running even before anything was dispatched because they heard it. Um, you know, the unfortunate thing is, you know, regardless of how quickly you can respond, you know, trying to not have to respond to, to any incident is obviously the goal. 
Sabrina, you used the term panic. Are we talking about the same thing here? I mean, uh, so this is, uh, they actually have a button in, in all of the booths, uh, which is, you know, essentially a silent alarm, but that immediately dials 911. Uh, or I, actually it may go to our uh, security monitoring service, but when that panic button is hit, it immediately gets dispatched to 911 uh, and versus, you know, a phone call to security or something else. So that's an automatic, uh, and they get there quickly. That's used in extreme situations where there's uh, a true emergency occurring, and the response is, is very fast to those. So the, so the ambassador type folks, do they, you talked about not being necessarily tied to a booth. So would they be potentially out kind of wandering around or, or walking around and monitoring and checking things out? And if so, would it make sense to see if there's a, like a remote option for the panic button so that they don't have to physically be in one location to trigger mm -hmm. the button? Mm -hmm. um, because that might not always be you know, feasible or the fastest. Sure. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. And um, you know, in terms of uh, remote response, just for for the customer service ambassador, there are quite a few things that they can do uh, just remotely from within there. So if a helpline call comes in, they can pull up the video on a exit station or entry station, you know, see the vehicle and sort of see what's you know happening there, uh, and talk to the person. They can you know record license plate information if they need to issue a failure to pay. Um, for instance, they can raise the gate remotely or even send a fee out. If it's um, some issue with a the ticket, they can actually send that fee directly out to the station that the person's at. So there's quite a bit they can do without having to physically get out of the booth. And I think that's one of the things we're going to need to look at because this is new, is uh, some clear direction on when and what types of situations people physically respond versus um, just remotely remaining. Yep, and and identifying, you know, getting vehicle information and um, either you know pushing out that fee or whatever it may be, or even calling for uh, the lead worker to to respond so that there are two people there rather than addressing it directly. So it definitely will be something that that we'll need to to look at carefully. Other comments or questions? Sounds like you've done quite a lot of work on this, Sabrina, uh, important topic. So uh, I'm sure we'll hear more from you, uh, if not before, at your next quarterly report. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Any other comments for Sabrina? Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. thanks, Sabrina. Next, Ken, the uh, Taxi Permit Denial Appeal Subcommittee report. On Monday at 5 o'clock, uh, Ann and Michael and I held a hearing. Uh, a woman had been denied, a 57-year-old woman had been denied um, <coughs> her application for a taxi permit. Um, the officer had explained that the reasons were an extensive criminal history, um, which went back to when she was fairly um, young and according to the little, the different benchmarks that the police uh, department uses, that seemed to be um, a reason to deny. <clears throat> we held the hearing. Uh, Officer Cheney Austin uh, presented the information from their perspective. The woman <clears throat> uh, provided us with information. She had been um, basically a, a chronic um, criminal background, um, which was interrupted um, 
in 2011 when, out of frustration, the judge uh, finally just sentenced her to a fairly long, lengthy sentence for a misdemeanor forgery. Um, but it was based on her long history. So normally for a misdemeanor, <coughs> um, you don't get more than a year sentence. In this case, you got seven years in and um, ten uh, on extended supervision. So we reviewed that, and uh, it appeared that all of the pro there were there were no violent uh, behaviors that she had been adjudicated for. There was no um, police contact since um, she had been released a year ago. Um, most uh, almost all, as near as we could tell, almost all of her addiction or prior criminal history was due to addiction. Um, she went to Ellsworth. She went, uh, became a transportation driver, which is the most trusted um, worker level that you can get at Ellsworth. And uh, she is monitored because of her um, – she is in uh, sober housing um, situation, so she's been monitored by the housing people. She's monitored – she meets twice a month with her um, probation off, parole officer – and um, we believe that this was a situation where the intervention between what had happened in 2011 and eight years hence, along with a number of uh, monitoring, so it seems like the addiction is what leads to the motivation for the criminal behavior, that this was a situation where she could be uh, given a license. I've since found uh, Keith Polak um, informed um, Brian Cheney, Austin, and I received an email today that uh, he, the, the officer, has contacted uh, the applicant and the um, permit's going to be issued. Mike, did you have any other comments? Um, I would only say that uh, in listening to her, um, she also indicated that her the job she currently had had similar job duties. She was uh, receiving cash uh, payments from um, persons that she gave rides to, I believe, and had no problems uh, in, in that capacity. So uh, really, um, for me, um, one of the things I looked at is the position she needed to be able to accept. Uh, one of the things it did provide was benefits, and um, I just looked at that as being a situation where um, uh, that ability to have benefits would uh, relieve uh, a great deal of stress probably in her life and uh, greatly uh, benefit her and reduce the, the chances that she would um, revert back to previous behaviors. Yeah, sort of ironically or coincidentally, she was working for a vendor, I think it was Transit Solutions, which does not require a trend. <laughs> tag. Isn't Transit Solutions one she's going to work for? I, I no. Anyway, she was working for somebody. No, I think it is. Where and Metro had contracted with them in order to provide rides for people with disabilities. So it was uh, coincidentally a contract agency yeah, where, because of the licensing, she didn't need a taxi permit. But if she wanted to work for Yellow or Union or anything else, she needed a taxi permit. So she's basically doing the same pickup and delivery of people, the same involvement with finances, but it was a different age, uh, a different company. So that also. There were no indications by your previous employer um, that there had been any friction or anything like that. Yeah, yeah Transit Solutions is, is the new job because 
they work for Metro, and Metro requires Okay. Oh, that's it. Then. Yeah, Capital Express was the old one. That's correct. I'm sorry. Yeah. And No, that's fine. Um, and I, uh, I thought there was real evidence of, of personal rehabilitation. Uh, and, you know, Ken, you, you commented on this, but the, the letter that we saw from her parole officer or probation officer, whatever the correct term is, um, you know, really supported her. Um, yeah. Well, I think we were glad to do this. And I think yeah. the, the police officer, you know, one of the issues is the police officer's review does not really involve interaction with the person. It doesn't allow any other background checks. It's just sort of looking at the record that the traffic record and the criminal records. And so he stayed for the entire hearing. I think he understood mm -hmm. the situation very well. Yeah. Any comments or questions? And, and the employer is on board. It, it wrote a letter supporting her. Um, I don't think I saw a copy of the letter. Yeah, I wouldn't. Now she has this permit. Right. So is she. She. I think she's fairly confident that she can get that job. Uh, that job. Or maybe there. another job. But but we. But we did not see a written document from, and there was no testimony from anybody else as far as yes. We have offered we her a job. Her no. if she gets but it was also clear that her DOC agent was very aware of what was going on and, and had the opportunity to say yes or no and, and did not say no. So but she does have a current job that she could continue having. It just, as Mike said, doesn't have benefits. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, uh, any other comments or questions? Okay, thanks. Next, uh, uh, G4, the topics and date for the TC slash TPPB joint meeting. Uh, I was talking with Ann earlier, and uh, Metro Transit was thinking that it might be a good idea to have the Metro Transit financial statement audit report um, on the joint meeting since they do it both at the TC and the TPPB that it might be a good opportunity to, to have that um, added to the list. So, I mean, we have a lot on the list, so <laughs> it might be more than more than we have time for, so we'll have to uh, weed some things out of there. Um, so f first, we, we're looking at two dates. We were having issues with the July 10th date that we originally considered because there was a uh, task force on government structure meeting that conflicted and at least two alders had to leave plus John Strange had to leave um, at like six or right before six. So there really wasn't adequate time for uh, for a joint meeting on that date. So we're looking at August 5th and August 14th. Um, at this point I'm, I'm aware of one alder who can't make it on August 5th and two alders who can't make it on August 14th. Um, otherwise I think we have pretty good responses on both those dates. So we'll have to, yeah, we'll have to get together and, and make a decision on uh, whether either of those dates are going to work. And then we'll take a look at the, we'll get a group together and take a look at the actual topics that we think we have time for. Because looking at these topics, I think that's probably more topics than would fit into one meeting myself. But if you have other ideas, 
we'll add them to the list and and then and nothing says we can't have a second joint meeting so uh, we certainly can schedule one and if you know if we don't finish we have topics left over that we want to continue on with we can certainly have another one as well so you'll let us know as soon as you know right the august 14th date is one of our regularly scheduled meetings yeah that's august right. 5th yeah, the August 5th is the Transportation Policy and Planning Board regularly scheduled meeting. So we picked those dates. So, hey, we at least knew half the group already had it on their calendar. And I will say August 14th, I may have a conflict. I think I'm going to have to be in law call. Okay. Um, and I don't know that I'll be back in time. Okay. But I did provide my availability for the 5th. Sure. Great. So would you advise us putting a hold on both dates for right now? I, I would I okay. right now. Grant? Um, so one, I agree. I think there's a lot of items on there, and there might be some extra ones. So I think we might want to be looking at thinking about a, a second um, uh -huh. joint meeting at some point. And then just in terms of those dates, I know, um, you know I, I won't be available on the 5th, for example. And I think just given some of the conversations that we're hoping to have, um, I, I'm thinking especially some of the budget stuff, I wonder if we should also be looking at other dates um, besides just the two of those. Because if we already, if we know that we're already missing, and not that the elders are more important than the rest of the members, but to be taking some of these, I mean, I think particularly some of the conversations around definition of the bodies and then some of the budget stuff. It feels like if we could find some dates where um, where we're not already set up to have some people gone, that might be worthwhile. So I guess I would put out there that we should open up our um, looking at, at more than just those two dates if we already know that we have some conflicts there. The only, and we certainly can tr try and do that. The, my, my fear is that if we don't pick a regularly scheduled TC meeting or TPPB meeting, then it's going to be really hard to get every, I mean, you guys have a lot of meetings, don't you? I mean, Alders have a lot of meetings. And I think, Mike, you have to leave at 630 I can't remember, was it on the 5th? Well, on the 5th, I would yeah. have a city county homelessness uh, mm -hmm. committee. Yeah. But that would be just across the street if we have that. Right, but still, if we start at 5, that's just an hour and a half. And I'm thinking this meeting, I mean, it could be two or possibly longer than, you know, maybe three hours just because there's there's a lot to talk about here. And just talking about the role of the of the groups is something that, I mean, I see that as taking like an hour at least and just knowing the conversation that we've already had about it. Um, and I don't know if we can, you know, where we stand on the budgets, if that can wait until September or if, uh, you know, uh, anything that needs to happen, I'm sure could happen at the policy board meeting. And then we just have something that would be informational at the joint meeting so that's another option is to look at september dates you know a september tc date or a september tpb date so um so i don't know maybe i'll touch base with tom wilson and and see what he thinks about that because uh, it's it's going to be hard to find a date that absolutely everybody can be there uh, today's world that's a hard thing to accomplish yeah. Um, just again, in kind of terms of topics, I would 
maybe think about prioritizing item one and three on the the list of topics for that first meeting and it seems like most of the other things and maybe the priority as well but most of the other ones maybe aren't are less time sensitive i kind of tried to move the ones i thought were more priority toward the top yeah. just i just think given like what you said i mean i can't imagine number one being less than an hour and i mean probably should be think an hour and a half or more I think and so yeah maybe even just not even pretending that we would get through <laughs> six yeah. or eight um just kind of setting something really more manageable yeah. in front of us and then in terms of the scheduling uh, Debbie Fields from the council office has access to most of the alders schedules. Um, so that might be one initial step is to just check with her and see for the, at least on the alder side between the two bodies, she could potentially give some dates that would be um, options where all the alders are at least available and then maybe sending those out to the rest of the members to see what, uh, what that looks like. I, I mean, I, I agree it's going to be really tough to do, but I, I'd also love to try and, uh, no, I, I, I know. I understand that. And I, I think everybody feels feels the same. Um, okay. Well, uh, anybody have any other topics that aren't on here? We've had a lot of time to, you know, to think about with this. And certainly it's tough. And Patrick, I think, Patrick, you suggested that maybe we pick a date like now for like next June or July and you don't think it'll matter? It'll get busted up by the time we get there? Yeah. We may not even have the same members by the time we get there, right? Yeah. So I think this is just, it's hard to, to schedule with people um, when people are so I mean, busy. You, I think you've done, I agree with you, you've, you've done the best you can yeah. picking dates of both committees yeah. as first options. It seems like the, the smart way to go. So I guess the question is, you know, can we wait until September? And if we if we try for the, you know, the three September dates um, and we happen to hit on one that looks like most everybody can come, then, then you know, maybe maybe we'll um, we'll do that. Uh, so either try for another date in September or um, not a scheduled meeting date. I just know trying to get something in August with people being out of town and everybody's meeting schedules might be might be a little bit uh, tough. Uh, any other ideas? Okay. Thank you. How about our warm weather tour? How are we doing? Do we have it? Have we come up? We were looking at something either at ten or two. Do we have any any dates yet? Or we're having warm weather finally. <laughs> so, do you guys want to? Because uh, you and Sabrina need to have dates that are going to work for both parking and traffic That's engineering. Right. Yeah. We carried the internally. We think uh, most days will work. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Would, um, so you do want to get some ideas to Patrick, and then he can do a doodle poll or something? Or how, what do you suggest, Patrick? Uh, yeah, but that would be a good approach to, to handle it. Okay. Yeah, we, um, yeah, I think we'll be very flexible accommodating the, the, the members. Okay. And, uh, uh, it might be more difficult to find uh, some time works for most of our members. Yeah. So uh, the staff on staff side, if we can do it either uh, 10 a.m. or 2 p.m., that would be the best time. Okay. But we almost can't make any day work. 
Okay. Any preference on 10 or 2 in general? No? Depends on the day for me. Yep. Yeah, same Depends way. on the day. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <coughs> Well, I guess the best thing to try and do is, is would, do people want to try and do this in August? You know, we just got warm weather here. With the weather we've been having, it might be here, what, for like two weeks and then gone again? I have no idea. Um, do we want to try and do something in August? Do we want to wait till more like the fall? Anybody have any preference? Otherwise, we'll just go for it and try and, and see if we can do something. Yeah, more going on in August. Yeah, August is a tough month. It is. Yeah. Yeah. June or July is probably actually better for me. Oh, so maybe look at something Same in July? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Not much time left in June, so let's... In July. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. That, I like that. So we'll go with July or September. Okay. Any other thoughts on the warm weather tour? Okay. Um so general announcements by the chair. Um, so we're going to have an agenda meeting, I think, Monday. Uh, and we've got a lot of stuff um, coming here over the next few meetings. Um, and one of the things that we have said we will do in July is elect a chair and vice chair again. So be thinking about that. Um, it'll either be at um, July 10th or July 24th. We'll, I think we'll maybe talk about both July meetings when we meet on uh, Monday just to sort of separate it out because I have a lot of things on my list here that uh, we need to be thinking about. And we did do a pretty good job, I think, in the handbook on the responsibilities of the chair and the vice chair. So uh, anybody who's, who's thinking about that or interested in doing it, um, you know, consider it, um, and so that we can, you know, be ready to um, have folks to bring forward. So just be thinking about that. In terms of future agenda topics, um, the Board of Public Works referral on South Broome and the 300 block of West Wilson, we specifically as a group referred that to the July 10th meeting. Um, well, Chris will be there, so everybody should be able to meet him, if not before. Um, safe routes to school. Um, Bill, you had asked about that, and we, we want to position that before we have the school safety zone update and the crossing guard assignment. So we'll, we'll try and plan that out um, as well. Let's look at how the, how the items look like mm -hmm. for the July 10th. Uh, the staff are ready to do that. Okay. So we can do that. Mm -hmm. uh, the agenda is very long, very long. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, one thing that uh, uh, comes up and the uh, engineer wants to be at the July 10th meeting is University Avenue. Oh, okay. So that's uh, one of the major projects going on design, doing, doing a design process right now from um, uh, Shore Boulevard to uh, University Bay Drive. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, lots of things going on over there. It's a big project. Uh, it's a very important piece of roadway in the city. Um, so uh, I think it's a good idea to give the commission um, an informational presentation before the team present the uh, geometrics for this body to approve. Mm -hmm. so this will be an informational presentation. Okay. And uh, uh, this will be a good time to do it. 
Okay. Well, we'll have a lot to do on the 10th, so we may push some of the other things off to the 24th so that we can allow plenty of time for that. Um, and I don't know if the policy board is going to refer the interim recommendation back to the Transportation Commission. And if it, you know, that there's, that's, uh, their meeting is Monday, July 1st. Uh, so if that would happen, that, you know, it would make sense to take that up on July 10th since it's, you know, related topic to the Board of Public Works referral. So um, I have a lot um, on the list that you've heard about before or that's already in our work plan. Does anybody have anything else on future agenda items that we haven't talked about, Ken? Yang, could you um, maybe get in touch with Officer Dave? And remember, we were on all the different traffic things. We said, can't we maybe narrow it down to five or six where engineering, a change in engineering might help the police and that way he doesn't have to deal with all the other kind of stuff. Could you maybe try to get together with him before September and then come back to us with a, here's what we think are the, the, um, is the data that we should, as a, as TPC, should be looking at? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, actually, we already met with them uh, Tuesday on Mon Monday. Yeah. Oh, this past Monday on on that. So we talk about the you know how can we uh, collaborate uh, better mm -hmm. and share resources and uh, also communicate better uh, in a lot of lot of lot of different things. So we came up with quite a Quite a quite a few ideas that uh, uh, I think at some point uh, we want to come here give uh, the commission update. Um, yeah, I, I'm just saying I think it would be good for us as a commission to do a thumbs up on that discussion so that when he comes in with his next quarterly report, it sort of is more tailored to what we've already agreed is important. Right. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that uh, you know we discussed. Uh, is we're going to have a regular quarterly correlation meeting. Okay. And uh, we'll do that meeting about two weeks ahead of the uh, Transporting Commission meeting when they are giving the quarterly okay. reports. So we'll actually you know, offer to kind of go through the reports, uh, their, their data with them to see, you know, what those things might be most useful to the commission instead of just presenting the the numbers. Um, Thanks. So, so that yeah, so that that's the uh, yeah, that's the intent. So hopefully we'll you know we'll uh, for the next core report we'll have a chance to sit down with a uh, with the MPD uh, colleagues and go through them as you mentioned and just point out the, you know the, the five or six most important things okay. instead of uh, you know okay here are the hundred thousand pages of numbers yeah sure. or hun yeah oh. hundred things. I just want to clarify with Ken before we go to Bill and then Grant. Um, so obviously it's too late to change the reporting for June, and we've been working forward. So would it make sense, since he's going to be here to do his quarterly report in June, to maybe have the discussion that you're talking about when yeah, he's here for that? And then we can talk about what, you know, he might report to us in September, or if September, I mean, if that runway isn't appropriate for September. So maybe just think about that timing. I, just I was just looking sure. at the next quarterly report, not the June one. Yes. Actually get it 
to the point that we have that. The June one might yeah. still be more in the format of the last one we saw, but right. we shouldn't wait in, in forever to get to the new format. Right. But, yeah. when I wanted to, I mean, what? Uh, I'm sorry. Bill, then Grant, then Bridget. Okay. I, I'm sorry I missed that meeting. I really was. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That was the one meeting I really was sorry I missed that topic. <laughs> and I, I really, you know, and I hope, it sounds like, and I talked with Ken and, and I think Ann, and trying to get, so the traffic engineering is involved with with the uh, traffic with the test units and and with the traffic units, so that you're working together. And it sounds like that's what you're talking about. I think yes, coordination of prioritization of where that goes on. So traffic engineer, in other words, it seemed to me when I did the, the last presentation was you know whatever it was six months ago or five months ago. Mm-hmm. It was like it was. Knee-jerk reaction. Whoever sent them an email, mm-hmm. they tried to satisfy that alder or that constituent or whatever, rather than saying, "Yeah, it would be that would be okay." But we think the data that traffic engineering is mm-hmm. showing us, we need to mm-hmm. give more attention to this other issue. And locations. Is that is that kind of did I? Yeah, exactly. What the, that's exactly the you know yeah. the, the type yeah, of things that we you. we discussed. Yeah, good. Uh, but it's beyond that. So okay. it's um, it's uh, uh, more than you know having just input on enforcement. Uh, you know we have been doing that already, but we're going to do more of those, and yeah. they probably could be more receptive to those. Good. With understanding that uh, you know they have. Uh, uh, other considerations as well when it's lagging for some positions. Well, they need locations. to tell you that too. Exactly. For example, they want to make sure their police officers are safe. Yeah. They do that. They want to. They don't want to yeah. do enforcement at location that uh, might pose dangers to the officers. Yeah. And they also want not want to cause more problems than actually they address. For example, for example, if they um, do enforcement on speeding up uh, during the on a busy street during peak time. It actually cause more congestion, might cause more issues right. than they're trying to address. Um, so those those are the factors involved. It's good to we, hear from us. That is the case. Exactly. It's good to hear those. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe there's uh, other things that can be done. Sure. Uh, uh-huh. Other techniques. Exactly. Doing exactly doing that enforcement. Yeah, but we definitely you know provide other input. Yeah. You know safety data. Yeah. Um, kind of to to provide an input to guide their enforcement efforts. Mm. On the other hand, though, uh, you know, we'll take that input for our project development process. Yeah. For example, when we develop capital improvement projects, we want there one right by them to see what's the perspective from uh, from the officers, yeah. from what they heard, what they hear. Um, we so, you know, we uh, um, talk about the crash report. Mm-hmm. Um, at this before this body, and the body has suggestion to you know uh, dive deeper into it. So the staff did that, and we developed um, a long list of projects we're going to do for the countermeasures. Okay. So we're going to update the, the the commission on that as well later. But uh, at the morning's meeting, we also run those uh, by uh, by the MTD uh, staff to see what they think, whether those make sense or not. Um, so those are, you know, the project we can implement soon. We also are thinking about developing some pro- some capital improvement projects, the major ones, uh, based on the safety data. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, we want them to be there as their input as well. Yep. We uh, also worked on um, pedestrian safety, pedestrian bicycle improvement projects. Mm -hmm. And right now we have a staff team. Uh, we just set up staff this year. It's kind of a pilot program. Uh, the staff team member includes traffic engineering, city engineering. Now I invite the MPD to be part of that as well. Okay. So for next year, they can be part of that team as well. Um, so um, I think it's not just in one way. It's going to be it's going to be uh, uh, both ways. Um, so hopefully, yeah, I feel pretty uh, positive on our interactions with them so far. By some time, I think we have more meetings. We'll probably invite maybe some of the members to the to a staff meeting uh, as well as some of the members express interest uh, on attending those meetings. Um, I also uh, reached out to uh, some of my colleagues at the, in different cities. I talked to Denver. Denver has a, a pretty big uh, safety program. Uh, they have uh, two dedicated uh, Vision Zero engineers working on solely on uh, safety. And from an engineering perspective, yeah. So I, um, I talked to them, uh, trying to figure out how do they interact with uh, their police department. Um, it sounds like it's the same, same struggle. It's, it's challenging. So it sounds like, you know, they have been uh, in, in silos as well, just like we, what we did. Uh, so it's challenging, but uh, I think we can, uh, we can improve. And thank you guys for all the you know, guidance um, on that. Yeah. Um, I think I'm feeling the same thing that I'm hearing from everybody else, but just wanted to maybe push even a little bit further in that I'm hoping that more than simply a kind of shift in identifying a couple key elements from the existing report, that it's maybe even a more transformational kind of change. So, I mean, these it's listed as a police department quarterly traffic safety report, and I think one of the things that we had discussed was having it maybe even not be just police department, but rather, especially as you guys start to work together, that it's maybe a quarterly traffic safety report that's even kind of presented collaboratively between the police department and traffic engineering, and where then that really is focused around traffic safety, whether that's crash information or complaints that are coming through or other data like that, more so than what I've seen over the years, which is really, I would call it an enforcement activity report. Um, and I just don't think that that has ever really provided much value at all to this body. And I've heard that from m most other people either here and in previous bodies. So I guess I just call it out, in, even like on our work plan, that I don't know if it like requires further discussion by this body, but I'd be really interested in just being even more explicit and saying, and maybe I guess there's one coming in June. I would honestly rather not even see it myself. But could, can we can we talk about and make a decision at some point if we want to just do a more of a fundamental change there rather than just continue to have sort of a modified version of the enforcement activity report? Well, my suggestion is that that we have the police department's quarterly safety report um, unless. Um, unless people feel that like we don't even want to see those numbers, but I, I, I feel like we need to have a base of this is what we've done in the past and then talk about what are we going to do in the future. And Bridget, you're still on my list to get to you next. Okay. So my thought is to have two things, two agenda items this next time around. One is the police department's quarterly traffic safety report. 
Uh, and that can be presented collaboratively. I think that's a, that's a great suggestion with traffic engineering, but also to have the agenda item be future uh, quarterly traffic safety reports from or ideas for future quarter uh, future quarterly traffic safety reporting from uh, MPD and TE, so that we have very specific agenda item that talks about what do we think, number one, what are you proposing that we see in the future, and how do we as the commissioners feel about what we're going to see in the future. So kind of a, here's what we've done in the past, and we maybe don't even need to spend a lot of time on it, just have the information and just be refreshed that, oh, yeah, this is what we've seen, and this is the next generation, unless you, you know, have something newer that you bring with for the next time that might you know, be pointed toward that next generation. And to so, clarify, that, so are you recommending doing that just kind of for this next quarter, or are you suggesting that we continue to receive the police one forever on a quarterly basis? No, no. I, I was with Ken on that. That So June 30th is, like, coming up here in a few days. So, okay, let's close out June 30th. Let's, you know, get them in here sooner rather than later if they can. And um, then talk about the future so that the September 30th report is different from what we've seen in the past. Because I hear that from everybody that we think it's not valuable. And, and it sounds like maybe the police department and traffic engineering has better ideas for what could be valuable. So does, does that help? Yeah, I mean, for, for what it's worth, I would... I would personally rather not ask them to come and give the old versions because I, I really find it to be that low value. Um, but it, I, so I, I'd be curious what other people think. But I, I mean, I wouldn't. I don't think there's a there's no good reason if if others aren't interested in the actual report. I don't think we should just do it to do it to say we did it because I don't. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think we're we, there's not like a requirement that it right. has to happen. So if if we're working towards a new version. I would be in favor of letting the police department staff work on the new version, new version rather than but I, yeah, I know every, every time it's just staring yeah. at numbers that. Yeah. yeah. So this, the suggestion that I hear from Grant and, and you know, it, it parallels with what we've been talking about would be to say that we don't need to have the old report done. I mean, I know they accumulate the data, but there's got to be some work that goes into putting together the old report. Um, and we could certainly have a copy of the one from the quarter before if we want to see what it looked like, right? So we could look at the March numbers if we want to see that. So to ditch the requirement for them to provide the old June 30th report and just have on our agenda as, as soon as we can get them in here, to talk about what do we want to see for the future. That works with, I mean, you're, you're working on that. Mm -hmm. So if you need a, you know, if it's going to, if it would be better to do it in August as opposed to July, because you want some more time to work with them to do that. Um, how do, does that appeal to the group? For me it does. Yes? Okay. Are you done, Grant? Because Bridget's, okay. What do you think about so Bridget and Mike? You guys are, are you on board with that as well? To skip the old one for June and just talk about the new? Well, I I guess I don't know exactly what the the internal plan is, but I guess what what I would find of value is 
you know, if the, the report is coming, then to provide ahead of time to, um, I guess, whatever officer is in charge of that feedback prior to them attending on what we would like to see so that we can have a productive discussion at that meeting. I'm sorry, say that one more time. So to, to provide them, the, the police, feedback about what we would like to see specifically. I mean, it's easy, it's fairly easy to identify from the reports the specific items that would be potentially impacted by engineering. I th I'm sorry, I thought we sent, we sent Yang away and said, you work on that, okay. and then bring that back to us okay. with your proposal, and then we'll say, what do we think about that, rather than us doing the work. Is that, and so is that where things are at? Yes. Are you, you guys are following? Okay, great. That's fine. Ken? So, no, that's okay. It's, it's, been, it's been a fluid process. Yeah. I want to push this just a little bit more. So yeah. Tom was in about four or five months ago, and he had the crash data that was weighted by severity. So a crash that was in a circle that had a taillight that needed to be replaced but no injuries gets a one, and the T-bone gets a lot with that and all that kind of stuff. So I think what we really want to do is we want to bring that aspect of crash data, severity-weighted kind of thing, with police. For example, if the most severe crashes are running red lights, um, what, if anything, uh, can be done by traffic engineering as far as running red lights or something like that. So I think that gets us, I think, Grant, you know, even closer to what we really have the passion about is speeding. We're not in favor of it, but if it's speeding and there's not a lot that we can do for traffic engineering other than putting in a 43-inch speed bump, you know, we're not so much, but I'm, I'm concerned about those kind of things where they're really resulting in temporary or, or permanent losses, um, you know, and all that. So it's just one more. Really yeah, but it's, it, it, it moves it one more thing uh, yeah. as far as not only saying to the police, what are things that engineering could do to help people obey the laws? But let's cut down right to it. Obey the laws, especially when disobeying the laws results in severe, severe injuries. Correct. Yeah. Grant? Yes, I, I mean, I, I agree broadly to prioritize around injury and, and deaths. Um, I do think that the commission should also be concerned around um, non-injury crash as well is still loss yeah. of property, and I think it's one of the roles we should be looking at reducing all of it. Um, right, vision zero, yeah. Yeah, um, but I, I think one of the things we had kind of talked about is, you know, we have the annual traffic crash report in the in quarter two. I think partly for me it, it is kind of fusing these things mm -hmm. so that we have an annual kind of crash report and maybe a crash slash safety report, and then it's a quarterly kind of almost check-in on that. So then, you know, as we're getting that report, hopefully we could even kind of sort of some recommendations in that report that we can look at and we can say, okay, well, for the next year we want to focus on this area or that area and then have some work happening and then the quarterly, quarterly updates, instead of it being a, a traffic safe, you know, enforcement right. report, it's almost 
connected with the annual crash report, um, and but with the police department kind of being a, a member of that and right. collaborating with our, you know, all of us basically working towards reducing those crashes in whatever way, whether it's engineering, it's enforcement activities, yeah. all these things. Yeah, but we did just say that um, traffic safety doesn't always mean there are crashes, right? Yeah, well, the, and the police department you know, I mean, has... we were talking about crosswalk safety, you know, uh, right? And those things where where it, does, it doesn't always happen. But, Bridget, I'm, I'm back on what you were talking about. There, there, there's like there's degrees of these things and degrees of traffic safety. And I, I agree with you. I mean, the T bones. I mean, we want to avoid the most severe. But if we're going to adopt a Vision Zero, um, you can tell Tom we meant we must have mentioned Vision Zero like <laughs> eight or ten times tonight. We had a webinar on that today. Yeah. This morning. Oh. Yeah. This uh, yeah. nice time for yeah. the staff today. But it, I mean, the the idea that. We're concerned about safety. We're not concerned about they didn't have their registration, so they got a ticket, right? I mean, there were some things on that report where we were like, well, we don't care about those, no, right? We care about it. it. It's not in our ballpark as far as what we can do anything about it. Correct. I think we want to be careful. We, we care about all the things that... Right, but we yeah. want safety. Right. We want those that are... Things that we can influence. Things yeah. that we... Right. Yeah. I will. Got all this, Yang? Yeah, yeah. So we actually, um, uh, then, besides meeting with uh, MPD, we also meeting with MPO. Um, as MPO, actually contracted the UW team, developed that uh, you know property damage only equivalent uh, calculations that uh, um, you know I guys saying uh, earlier. Um, we are thinking about you know for our annual crash report. We might uh, collaborate with, uh, right now, you know, the city traffic engine does everything. MPO does their thing. MPD also has... Are you both the, you so totally? Uh, not totally different. We use the same data, but, uh, you know, we come up with different rankings. Yeah. yeah. Huh. We use different, uh, you know, we define intersection a little differently. Yeah. And uh, we do the calculation a bit different. So, so we propose that the three of us come together Collaborations together. What a great idea. Let's, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's do a um, uh, really good uh, report uh, together. Yeah. So 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 we've been uh, working on that. I think uh, uh, very likely that uh, you know the the severity will probably play a more and more important role. Um, you know in our rankings. Um, so uh, PD uh, MPD actually. Um, uh, I'm thinking about also, you know, get them heavily involved in, when we produce our annual crash report. We'll get them heavily involved in that. They have a data person that uh, uh, we're already trying to, trying, yeah, trying to meet with them. And actually for travel engineering, we go through, I think the manager that we have, we go through each, every single crash in the city. Um, because a lot of times there are errors in the, errors in the police reports. And officers are really busy. They respond to, to a you know to a situation. We write things down. Some things sometimes in locations or descriptions are wrong. Uh, you know, like MPD or even MPO when they do a ranking, they just took it whatever on the report. But for us, we have to go through each one of them, analyze them, uh, correct them mm -hmm. as uh, as needed. So um, when we do that. We bring the MPD and MPO in and uh, 
for the, for the crash report, we can maybe even do a you know joint presentation um, on that. Um, and also, when we develop uh, projects, you, we get all got, get all of them involved as well. Uh, you know, I think Randy mentioned a good point about the the you know we do this annual crash report thing with a lot of security data uh, involved. Uh, if resources resources we have, we can even try to get some um, um, hospital data that actually reflects what kind of uh, expense have been associated with each each crash. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with some more resources kind of putting together, maybe we'll be able to do that. But for the you know for each quarter, you know we can kind of do an update on that. You know, for the past quarter, you know what's a, what's a trend, what happened, what are some major crashes? Maybe there's some uh, if there uh, major fatalities, maybe we'll focus on that, talk about that, what happened, and what can be done. Um, but I think the downside is that, uh, or not downside, probably a limitation is that uh, these crash reports were typically not available um, quite a long time after right. Right. after it happens. Not anymore. You should uh, be able to get them fairly quickly now. Uh, well, actually, 2018, last year, it took longer because of some issues with the changes. I know. I know. Eventually, it's going to be it could be much more available, much much quicker, much quicker. Within a week. All right. No kidding. Uh, yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully, you know, after that, the the change is going to be much more streamlined. Uh, but there, uh, you know, at least for near term, there's going to be a gap. Uh, so when we talk, for example, if we're during in uh, uh, September or in October, talk about you know the, the quarter from June to September, we may not have all the data uh, ready. Hopefully we have, but we may uh, in the past. About that. Uh, uh, like for now, we still haven't. We don't. Have, we don't. For now, we don't have all the data for 2018 yet. Yeah. Really? Yeah. From top to bottom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sounds like you guys should get uh, together and talk uh, about that. So it's not released uh, that quickly. <laughs> well, and but that's, that's, I agree with Joe. That's going to get I want to make better. sure Bridget gets to finish her thought and then okay. Grant. Yeah, and so the you know the community maps that are available that show all of the crashes. I mean, even looking in Dane County right now, it only shows two for this year. So I mean, I'm serious. Two crashes. Yeah, fatal. Fatal. Which is yeah, which is still not correct. Um, but I know, um, so I just was working with the, the BOTS folks, the Bureau of Transportation Safety at WSDOT, and they're working on something similar statewide. And so I don't know how much communication that you have with, with them, um, but they're looking at coming up with sort of, with the top lab, some yeah. modeling um, that I think will be, you know, useful. Um, and we were talking particularly about bike and ped crashes. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, kind of the trends this year for those numbers. But um, you know, there's a lot. There are a lot of different um, tools I think that are available that might help with some of the analysis that we're talking about. So, right, Grant and then Ken. Um, a couple <laughs> things. One is in terms of the um, overall or broad traffic safety report. I think. Uh, Perception of safety should be included in that as well. So I think looking at actual crash data is really important and valuable, but I'm thinking of the MPD, for example, has the, like, traffic hotline that historically, you know, that hasn't been going to, to your team or to engineering or anybody else. So even 
looking at that, like, oh, in the last quarter we had this many calls, and here are some of the hot spots where we're getting calls from people reporting excessive speeding, et cetera. Like, that's a good indicator, I think, more valuable for us than where our speeding tickets going out, but rather where our complaints coming in. There's probably other data sources, so I think, in my mind, I would want it to be pretty broad in terms of what kinds of data sources feed into it. I don't think it has to just be um, crash data. And then in terms of the, the quarterly updates, um, I don't think those necessarily have to be here's what happened in the last quarter even, as much as I'm imagining this, this annual um, plan, or not plan, annual report, maybe leading to some sort of a plan. And so the quarterly updates could also be you know, remember three months ago, we talked about all the data from last year. We highlighted two or three priority areas. Here's what we've been working on, whether it's MPD, traffic engineering, engineering. Here's some of the things we've implemented. And almost a check-in on how are we addressing the identified issues as, as much as it is update to the actual data. I mean, I think if, if we just get updated data and say, okay, that's interesting, at some point I'd like us to be kind of focused on, was you know. The whole point of the discussion yep, yep. was that. And maybe we, we yeah. send some things on, like something, we see, we start to see something, was, hey, let's forward this one to TPPB and ask that they work on a, a plan or a new policy around some issue. Or So just to, to say, even if we don't have, I don't think it necessarily should be your team doing a, a quarterly report about that quarter as much as just yep having a common thread throughout the year of really like having a plan of attack around yeah. how we're addressing it. So I wrote down that the quarterly reports would not necessarily be data driven for the last quarter. Is that the capture that thought? Um, just that they're, that they're updates an update on, on the plan. Uh, yeah. On that the they're, threat, that they're, the not, just, they're not presenting necessarily new data every quarter, right. but yeah. rather it's a, mm. yeah, yeah. A check in. Yeah, it could yeah. also be staff observations yeah. uh, and a, if there are major crashes, like fatalities, we'll definitely uh, we'll right. be aware of those. Yeah. And we would definitely would track down those crash reports mm -hmm. in a very timely fashion, uh, police reports, before it's finalized by, uh, by the top lab. Um, so we can even talk about those, for example. So I think what we're eventually getting to is we're getting away from numbers to more a quarterly report of Yang and two or three other counterparts in agencies, including MPD, but possibly also other agencies that would come to us and say, what have they done, what have they discussed over the last three months? And if they have data, it doesn't necessarily have to be data that will then look at that same data sheet for the next 10 years. It's just, okay, here's, here's a crash report. You know, and we want to talk about this in September. And the next time it's we want to talk about red light running or something like that. And so the topic could change every quarter, but it's us getting an update from you and your significant partners um, as far as how have you been bringing together your functions, their functions together. And I think that goes to where Grant is going, that – it becomes more of a narrative of our ongoing work together than a data-driven, here's how many tickets compared to last year, which, as we sort of know, is sometimes driven by 
Well, we only had so much funding <laughs> in that year, and so that's why tickets went up this year is because our funding grant got renewed. You know, I mean, there. So we don't, we could be distracted by data without it being in the context. Yeah, and I would just say I don't. I think data is also good and important, and it's just maybe differentiating between types of data. And so crash data versus police activity, those are just very different kind. One is saying what police are doing that's really related to staffing levels and is not necessarily an indicator of even increase in speeding rates, which, I mean, would, I think, be good information for us to yeah. know. But it's not really telling us anything about the environment. It's really just telling us about the enforcement activity of our police department, which is mostly dependent on grants and funding available and people that are willing to work overtime and these sorts of things. So yeah. I think it's more just kind of what kind of data yeah. are we looking at, but also that we are then going beyond the data. We're, 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 the data is informing things, but then we're also talking about what are we doing about it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing that we really are still talking about future agenda items, aren't we? Isn't it? Yeah, but concert on the fair starts in 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> You've been quiet, Mike. Any other thoughts from you on this? Uh, well, really, the only thought I have um, on, on it is, uh, you know, I remember the last time we were presented with the report, and it was rather dry. And that, I'm, I think it would be helpful for me if um, we had data um, that, you know, like, for instance, like, crashed out of there was like maps that uh, had visual representations of where the trashes were, crashes were occurring so you know I, so that'd be something that um, like I can post on my blog and say hey here here's a visual representation of the data that we were presented with you know regarding crashes and you know, like um, Grant was saying with um, feedback from residents about speeding in their neighborhoods, you know, like have, have that kind of mm -hmm. data that we could actually have a map of the city and say, yeah, these are areas where we're getting more reports of speeding in neighborhood. And because I, I think a lot of times people have busy lives, and if you try to share a chart or a table with them, yeah. it just visual, visual it doesn't have any meaning. graphics are really helpful, aren't they? Yeah, people have busy lives, and I, I think people are also used to well, for those of us in politics, oftentimes presenting data in a skewed manner. But if we have a, a map that they can see for themselves, then yeah. I think as we try to accomplish different things to improve traffic safety, that having more visual representations for people, I think, will help generate the support that's needed you know, to, to yeah. make the changes that we need. Or to adjourn. <laughs> Go ahead. One last time. Okay, sure. We've talked about uh, enforcement. We've talked about engineering. But the two together, you really need that to do education. Because mm -hmm. the only people that can really make a difference in the future are our citizens. Mm -hmm. So if we give them, and just because an officer does not, he gives a warning ticket. Guess what? He just gave some education. And he gave an education to everybody that saw them write that it, that warning ticket. So it's just, you know, and that's, that's I think we've, we've hit it. We've talked about it. I think we're on the right track. I really do. Yeah. But uh, among these we meeting, want to do. Uh, among these meetings, we're uh, talking about uh, trying to look for some grants mm. to do education. Um, right. For example, um, like by, you know, by currently, like by ambassadors for, you know, for, uh, more engagement, more education to the to neighborhoods, and uh, at least we're thinking about. Uh, so we're getting traffic engineering 
uh, we're still feeling, we're still understaffed, but now we're feeling the positions. One, one staff we're going to bring on board pretty soon is an educator position. Mm. So we're thinking about a pair that position with an officer yeah. from police department, yeah. and they will go to neighborhood events. And, uh, you know, instead of uh, acting like a cop to stop people, uh, they do it more, in a more friendly manner right. to talk to folks, provide education that way. Well, one thing that I have learned is that we're going to allow a lot of time on the agenda for this topic when it comes up, because clearly there's a lot to talk about. And no, it, it is it's one of the most important things that we can work on because it's proactive. It's working toward Vision Zero. And, and, you know, excellent collaboration, Yang. I mean, lots of great, lots of great ideas. So, um, and obviously everybody here is passionately, you know, concerned about this. So I think this is, this is great. And Grant, we'll, we'll settle out how it impacts the work plan later once we get this all figured out in terms of exactly what we want to do. So now you can move to adjourn. Move to adjourn. We have a second? All right. I'm assuming everybody's in favor. Thank you very much, everybody. Good point, Blake.